Hello and welcome to How to Adult. This episode I learn a lot by talking to Sandra, who founded the Green Room Productions Theatre Company in Eastbourne. When I started questioning my outlook on life and my hunger to find a job that I really enjoyed, I mean it's a large part of your life, right? It's often what people ask you the first time they meet you. I quickly realised, after talking to people like Sandra, that finding purpose and fulfilment in life does not need to solely come from our jobs. And in many ways, it can be unrealistic and quite damaging to think so. In fact, the time we spend outside of our careers exploring what we enjoy is not only incredibly important, but can also be massively fulfilling. I think, when giving an answer to the question, who are you? Sandra has a lot more to answer than just the name of her career. Which is more than could be said for me not that long ago. In this episode, we talk a lot about theatre, obviously, but a lot of what we talk about applies to so many careers and ambitions and any passion you might have. At the end, we also talk about one of the most fascinating stories I've heard in a long time, a radio play Sandra turned into a stage play based on real events of a young girl called Jessie who was murdered and what the play was able to do for Jessie's family. This is How to Adult Outside of Your Career. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I know Sandra from watching many productions now. Yeah, with Sam. The Green Room Productions with Sam, who's also been on this podcast. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you today is because a big part of this podcast and why I want to do it is because, and we've just been talking about it a little bit, mm. I think... For those people who do have passions and things that excite them and they want to do it, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, it has to be the career and how I make all of my money. Mm. That's how, if I'm going to put all my energy, work and time into something, then it should be that because we've been kind of conditioned to be like, everything's about making money and Mm -hmm. doing all this stuff. But unfortunately, in definitely the... Entertainment industry. Yeah, entertainment, Mm -hmm. something that we want to pursue. That's not always the case. There's not a lot of money in it so if you want to do it and it's something that fills you with joy you get passion from and you get a lot of stuff from it Mm. then you have to make your own work and you have to start doing things Mm. and you have set up a wonderful Mm. company called the green room production not for money (laughs) um when did it start for love not money um 2009 i moved down here yeah to eastbourne and um where did you come from before? I was in Norberton in Kent, so sort of South ah, London. Okay. A South London accent. Um, <laughs> and I'd worked, I'd, I'd been in lots of companies up there, amateur groups since I was, since I left school and uh, started my own company with a few friends up there, another amateur sort of company. And I moved down here and settled in, because we didn't know anyone here, so settled in for a couple of years, moved down in 2004. Looked around for um, a company or a group that performed plays not musical yep. theatre, couldn't find anything in this town at all. Okay. It was all, it's a very musical theatre driven town. Yeah. Uh, I think that happens a lot in small Well, because towns. I think um, they're bigger casts. Yeah. So, oh, sorry about that. That's a clock. <laughs> they're, um, they're, yeah, watch that, listen about for the clock. And they're bigger casts. So, of course, you can fulfil a lot of people's desire to have a hobby by putting on a musical rather than a two-hander play. Yeah. It involves only two people and then four people in the crew. So I guess that's why musical theatre is, is more popular. Certainly it's in this town anyway, or it was. Um, couldn't find anything. Ended up doing uh, a production of The Glass Menagerie okay. with a company who performed in Lewis. And um, 
met two people there, uh, Leah, who's still with the company now, and said, oh, you two, I, I, I've had this play. And I said, you two be really good at this play. Walked away from there and thought, I can't find anything. These, would be, these guys would be really good. Why don't I just start my own company and see how it goes? Amazing. And that's what happened. Chose that play. They did that. Started off at a local school. Um, the head of Willingdon at the time, Ian, was amazing. And, and the drama teacher, Tash, both went, yeah, they let us rehearse in the school for nothing. Because we had no money. Yeah. Tori and I put a bit of our own money in. They let us rehearse in the school for nothing. If we, if we came on a night where they had table tennis or something else going on, so providing the school was open, they let us use the drama studio to rehearse in for nothing. And they let us perform there for nothing That's as well. incredible. Yeah, they were great. Absolutely fantastic. And I did a few workshops with the kids. Uh, so we used to go in and, and the, we got some of the kids involved. Some of them worked backstage with this. So we were giving them opportunities and things as well. So worked hand in hand with the drama teacher there. And we did... Um, two or three, two productions there. And then another local school, at the end of their school, he, um, Bruce turned it into a self-functioning theatre in, in, in the evening. Oh, wow. So the day it was a classroom and in the evening it was a, proper, a little theatre. It was called the Little Theatre. Yeah. And uh, we performed there for a few years and then the reputation started to build a little bit. And, and then we got asked to go to the underground and we went there for a little while. And, and all this time, more and more people were coming to the company who, like me, were either trained or jobbing or ex-professional yeah. or just really talented and didn't want to do the the run-of-the-mill, what I call run-of-the-mill, sort of the amateur um, plays, because we do very different styles. Insanely different. Work in, in Green Room. And it just grew. It just grew from there. So, And I probably have enjoyed this. I know I've enjoyed this more than I would have done if I'd gone and done this professionally yeah I've been able to have some amazing parts myself not just within my own company because I'm very rarely I'm usually in something um if you want somebody who's 50 plus and there's only me there so, <laughs> yeah. I, so I end up doing all the mums um <laughs> but in general it's for it's for everybody else and um and yeah I think I've enjoyed this way more than if I'd gone professional and been doing parts I wasn't really happy to do or Travelling around the country to say four lines in a play, or, yeah. you know, in a play that I didn't even really want to be in or didn't enjoy. So, for me, it's been amazing, and and it isn't just about that because every single member of the company are friend are friends now. We're a really tight knit group, um, it, and we put on some amazing high standard theatre for people who just don't earn any money from it. Honestly, I can vouch so hard for that, <laughs> and good. and it's I, I don't even know if I really thought that. Some, something like this existed before. This is what somebody said to me the other day, actually. When I, like... Because from the town that I, I'm in, there's, like... So I'm at, just outside of Bath. There's, like, Bath, the Egg. Mm-hmm. And then there's Bristol Hippodrome, which is just, like, musicals that tour. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, the Theatre Royal in Bath. And they're all quite... When I was young, I guess my parents aren't super into, like, they love now coming yeah. to theatre and doing stuff, but I wasn't brought up. I no, was no, brought up on, like, pantomimes yeah. and, like, yeah. just doing odd stuff. And it wasn't until I went to school and had fantastic drama teachers that I kind of got into that. But yeah. I, I guess then when I went to, to uni and then went to drama school, for me, it was kind of like there was this weird distinction between 
if you'd been trained and then you had a professional theatre company and people were paid and, and then people who did it on the side for fun but that was called amateur amateur mm-hmm. am- yeah if you were an amateur nothing in between and there was nothing in between and the amateur stuff because I did it when I was in uni I've, I, but it was always pantomimes right so and even if it was like seasonal pantomimes so like the Easter pantomime right like, oh, okay I was in a pantomime of Frankenstein oh really yeah I'd, um, <laughs> that's very so bizarre <laughs> they would literally just be like this old lady in the church teaching us dance routines and yeah. she'd forget the dance routine and I'd come in the next yeah, yeah. day and I would re-teach you'd be like oh um I'm sorry I'm like I just remembered it because I'm like 17 yeah and that's and what I, can like, I can yeah. I can do and then it would just be like people having fun which I love mm. but what you do is a whole other level I think there's probably there's probably lots of companies like ours now because of this gap in the market for work yeah and people are really wanting to use their skill and their love and their talent um, whether it be on stage or off, you know, we have the same thing with the lighting and our sound guy and everything else, that these more of these companies, I guess, will pop up, I assume. I don't know. I mean, I think I we sit so. somewhere in between. I kind of call us a fringe company. Which yeah, te- I would Which say. technically isn't true because fringe, you usually have a profit share. Yeah. But we're, we are that little thing in between um, because the standard is, is, is higher than... Very um, high. A, a, a normal sort of Even amateur, down to the set and the production, not even just the amazing actors that you have. Yeah. It's just... And there's literally always a few of, like, I've seen... Yeah. And I think there's never any more than, like, four. No, we've done... We, we did Flint Street last year with ten, which was crazy. <gasps> I didn't even think we'd get ten people on that stage, but um, <laughs> we did it, and we managed it, and it worked. Amazing. Backstage was quite crazy. Um, but, yeah, I think four or five... I prefer working in small casts anyway because yeah. I can give my attention. You know, I can give a lot more as a director to small casts, and I can be big. You, you just can't focus enough on everybody. It's more logistically moving people around yeah. than it is about getting getting to the nitty gritty of um, the part, and that's what makes our plays work. I think is is the amount that we put into just incredible um, the amount of research and thing you know we put in so but I'm sure there'll be more companies now I think what is amazing about your story it just takes so much hard work and a lot of balls to just be like right I'm gonna spend a lot I'm sure you spend a large proportion outside of like massively wherever you earn your money from yeah putting effort into making you do you have to I mean I, I part of my job now is website design this is what I do yeah and the only reason I can do this is because the theatre company had to have a website. I, I didn't I couldn't afford to pay one to pay to have one done because yeah. we had no money when it first started. So I had to learn how to do it myself. Oh my god, amazing. So I know it's a career. Your... Because because I've just learnt more and more and more and more and, and Incredible. people ask me to help with theirs and, and, and now yeah, now I'm I'm you know, something I can do really easily. And, and um, so now I, it's my job now is to do that and that started and design my, all my um, flyers and posters and everything else I had to learn how to publish things I had to learn how to, how to design stuff and so I learned photoshop and then and all of it was just self learned from a need to not have the money to pay somebody else to do these jobs yeah. and I had to create really good artwork because otherwise we wouldn't send out our production so all of that was done in my own time but you learn as you go along. I think our first audience, we had 15 people in at, yeah. at Willington, we first, our first play. And, you know, you just learn as you, as you go along. But if you, that passion that you've got, you can still have that and you can still use it, but you can just use it in a different way and still have another job and, still and another life and, and, and mix the both. So you don't have to give up the one thing you really, really want to do. And it's no different than people who like playing football, can't make a career of it, 
but they'll go and play on the weekend still. Exactly. Like that, yeah, so. so like not everyone who's maybe listening is going to relate to that acting side, but yeah, you've put, Anything. you've pursued something that is perhaps what people call a passion project, mm. and you've turned it also into a career by learning something yeah. along the way yeah, to yeah. help you do that passion Absolutely. project, as well as then it means that enables you to, to do yeah. the thing you enjoy. And I, and I can, you know, now I'm, I'm the artwork and everything, I'm quite adept at doing that now yeah so i've been able to help other people out with with their projects and things like that so yeah it has extended a career who'd have thought that hey yeah when i did that a few years ago when we were scrimping and saving and the only the only way we broke even on, on and we always broke even on everything was because tory sold wine um <laughs> we literally uh, the, the company was funded on alcohol Smart. not ours <laughs> yeah. uh, for the first few years it was funded on funded on alcohol and then i applied for some funding we had some lottery funding for a little while for some of the projects that we did um and um yeah just kind of moved on from there so i'm a true believer in uh, people say follow your dream you've got to follow a realistic dream and you've got to evaluate your life which which is what you're doing now and i hit that i i I hit that exactly the same as you did particularly with this career yeah uh or this industry that does happen a lot but it's sad when people have to give up something or feel they have to give up something that they really, really wanted to do at the standard they wanted to do it. I have some people, I mean, we, we've got some people in the next play that we're doing, and one of the cast uh, said the other day, you know, working with us, it's their first time. She said, it's like being a rep again. She said, when I was in a rep, and, you know, oh. that, that feeling had gone from her with there were some other things that she, she'd she been doing. Yeah. Um, and that's what the joy of the company is. It's yeah. like people can do what they were trained to do, what they know that they can do, and what they love doing. Um, and working so hard with a bunch of talented people and creating these these amazing um, productions, which I'm not putting that credit down to me because every single person in the company makes these productions yeah. what they are. It doesn't come from one person, it comes from everybody. And then they get that fulfilment. Yeah. And that's the same fulfilment that they would have if they had done it for a job. But actually probably more because they've got a house and they've got a holiday yeah, and they've so got children and they've yeah. got a family and they can do that. But they can still use that same talent and that same fire is still burning inside them. Because yeah. they can use that creative outlet to do something else. And they don't need to do it um, to give up a life for something, a dream, to follow a dream. And I think that's true of artists, of so many different things. If you've a yearning to be a doctor, that's very different. You know, that's very, very different. But if you're yearning in a... In a in an artistic career, mm-hmm. um, I think you have to find alternative routes now. Um, uh, you know, follow your dream, definitely follow it, but maybe you like veer off the road a little bit. Yeah, and it's, see it's what else kind is of there. Had it. And do you know what? When people say like, "What is this dream?" I I, I sometimes I'm just like, "Well, actually, it's just to perform. Yes. Like it's just mm-hmm. to be involved in mm-hmm. a production of something, to on a play, yeah. and be super." happy with what it is and want people to come and see it Mm -hmm. like i know people now who are in place just to get money for the minute and it's not paying too much but they're like do you know what guys is not good please don't come (laughs) because (laughs) this is where i was going with when my agent was sending me for auditions and things i'm reading it thinking i don't i really would if i was choosing to do a play that i wasn't getting paid for i would not even do this yeah um just to get on stage i felt like i was like pimping myself out a little bit you know um and that's kind of where I thought I don't want to do this I want yeah. to do plays that I have a passion for and that is that's lived with me right through to and I was you know came out of drama school at 27 54 now that's lived with me the whole way through I will never do a play uh, in green room I will never compromise on thinking this is not going to sell 
um, you know, you've got to be realistic because yeah. you've got to make sure you break money and everything, break even, or make a bit of money would be nice. Um, but I would never put what I call a bumps on seats on. I've never done oh. that yet. I've never gone the easy route to make some money. Which is incredible for, because like Sam's always jokes, like Eastbourne is an old people's town. Yeah. Like, and I find it so incredible that you're able to put on, and it says on your Me website, too. and she said, I remember the first time Sam was like, yeah, it's, it's a great company and Sandra likes putting on plays that are, are modern or new writing or mm. new things mm. and not like the old classics which is what normally smaller towns like they where do. I come from put on they do. because and they think that's what do. people are going to yeah, come in and see. they do look at the end of the day your yeah, Adelaide Bournes uh, all those kinds of plays they do put bums on seats they do in a tourist town, we have like five or six theatres here, yeah. um, which always amazes me that we can even sell any tickets uh, when you're competing against that. We have a lot of tourists that come to this town. It's a tourist town. We have coached loads of people who want to go and see an Agatha Christie in a yeah. seaside town. They, they will sell out. And our main theatres here will attest to that. Yeah, They have to put those sorts of productions on because that's the only way they can bring in any money. And, and I would say when the main theatres have put on some really excellent lazy and I can count about five in the last few years yeah that have been my kind of theatre there's been 50 60 people in the audience really? they just haven't sold enough and I sent an email to um to Chris who runs the main theatres here the other day yeah um, a few months ago last year we went to go and see Rotterdam yeah here and I sent him an email afterwards and I said do you know what thank you thank you for being brave enough to yes. put something in your in your season that you knew was not going to sell. Um, <laughs> it was outstanding. It was an amazing outstanding. I was so sad to see only 60 people in the audience, but this has happened quite a lot. When I come and see things that I like, yeah. they've got a small amount. He came back and he went, you've made my Friday. Oh. He said, because the best things I think we put on are things that are the, the least attended. Yeah. So, and there you go. And getting people to the theatre is as bad now as wanting to do it as a job. Yeah. People don't have spare income anymore. Yeah. They don't have as much money as they used to have. Most of the audience are 45 plus age group. It's really hard to get youngsters to come to the theatre. Surprises me because youngsters want to be in the theatre, but they don't <laughs> they want to come, come and see anything. That's crazy, isn't it? And that's a big problem. Yeah. It's a big problem. The amount of people who send me emails and say, can I audition for your company? At the end of it, it says, do you want to go on our mailing list? And they say no. So it's like, so you're, you're not, to me, that's an indicator. You're not going and seeing anything. Yeah. If you're not going out and seeing theatre and reading scripts, you are never going to be able to be of the, of the standard that we need yeah. um, we're, we're within the company. Do you know what? That kind of comes from the naivety of being like, definitely me in, yeah. in secondary school. Oh, I, I think I really job. like this. I want to do this as a job. Or wants to know what you're going to say. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know. My mum's not taking me to... Well, why is your mum, like, go and see something? <laughs> yeah, where are you going? And, you know, I had this with the school site. A few years ago, I used to, when I was involved with the school, um, I put together, for every single one of our productions, an education pack. Oh, wow. So it was a, it was a big pack to do the school. So it, and it, it was a, to enable a teacher to give the pack to their students yeah. to do some work before they came and saw the play, Yeah. come and see it, and then the rest of the education pack was... Things to do after they had to yeah, see the play. Yeah, I remember doing this. Um, yeah, that. so uh, quite a lot, like the Bolton in Octagon, uh, yeah. the Octagon Theatre in Bolton used to do education packs as well. So I looked at what they did and I thought, that's a really great idea. So one of the plays we did was my mother said we never should, and it was on the syllabus at the time. It was really? on the syllabus. So I did an education pack for it, 
punched it around to the schools and said, because I am very, very passionate about getting young people into the theatre. Yeah. Uh, both as a viewer and both to be involved um, as well. Because I had a, had a wonderful drama teacher who, without her, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I think that for um, every actor, there's one of those. Yeah, there like... is. And I, and I blogged about her last year. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm still in contact with her uh. now. And she, and she was, her daughter gave it to her to read. And um, so, I, so I went back to the schools and said, look, I'll do it uh, a five for a ticket for anybody who wants to come. If there's anybody on, on income support or low income, just give me the nod and we'll let them in for nothing. Oh, amazing. And, and here's an education pack. Not one single school, not one single student ever came or ever took up that offer. Really? And I put it around to all the drama teachers, the head of drama. I ran around every school within a 10 mile radius and I got all the heads of drama, wasn't even just info at to the school, sent it directly to their inbox. Oh my goodness. Not one ever took it up and I sent the education pack with the email and said here's the pack this is the play and then one of the drama teachers said to me oh could you um could you give work experience to one of our kids at all she gave me the week and I said well actually we, we, we've got a play on that week yeah so I can I can give them work experience they can they can come into a couple of rehearsals beforehand and they can come the whole week with us yeah and he came in he was doing GCSE drama he came into a play called Before It Rains God, amazing play and he sat there, his mouth hit the deck. Really? And he went, I've never seen anything like this. This is a drama teacher oh. who had sent me. And I was like, but every play we do is like this. Yeah. So for a fiver, and we're local, yeah. so drama teachers haven't got to go up to London or anything. No. If I've got to do no, none of them ever. That's bizarre. Don't know why. Don't know why to this day. I really did just grow up thinking that a lot of acting came from musicals, musicals yes. and I didn't mm. sing so mm. it wasn't until we do plays at school like this is cool but had I ever seen one no oh. my boyfriend for example never went to a pantomime mm. once did not know about theatre until no. I kind of took him places and I was trying to get him he's like no I don't want to go and then I wanted to go and see I don't know if you've ever heard of them but Les Influence Tarublas they're like yes. an, I'm obsessed with mm. them I love them so much and we went and see their Alice's Adventures Underground so immersive theatre, you go yeah. in, the set's incredible, and you're walking around the whole yeah. time, you get split up. He came out and he was like, that's theatre. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yes. you just watched a whole production yeah. of people acting, and he was like, well, that was incredible. Yeah. Now he buys me theatre tickets. He'll be like, oh yeah, let's go and see this play. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to see a play with my friend. He's like, oh, you didn't ask me, why don't I want to come? I'm like, oh, you want to come? Yeah, you've like, got, I'm, you've got a convert. Like, it's yeah. like, it's just like getting, getting people, people in. in. It's getting people in. And yep. knowing that it isn't just amdram or, or pantomime. Yeah, absolutely. And also it's money again as well. Kids yeah. don't have, parents don't have a lot of money and kids don't have a lot of money. Very true. Um, but having said that, you know, I have offered kids, you know, cheap amount of money or if they haven't got anything coming for nothing and you still struggle Yeah. Uh, to get people in and yet they'll still go to the cinema though and pay yeah. like 10 quid to go, to go and see a film. Um, but yeah, people's idea of what theatre is is... I guess historic, so it they don't realise that you know you can go and see something now. I mean, one of our reviews that we had a few years ago, a play called Little Gem. Somebody wrote afterwards and said, "I got up the next morning, wanting to pick up a book and follow the lives of the people that I'd seen the night before." Oh. And I thought, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. And and she said, and I am not a theatre goer. And she came because she knew us. Oh. She said, and I. Don't really go to theatre, and she said, I'm absolutely hooked. Wow. Absolutely hooked in. So, going back slightly, because mm. we kind of talked about before I started recording, 
you've built this amazing theatre company. What briefly, what happened leading up, like, I guess, from, from school? What, well, what yeah, was your I journey? Yeah, I mean, I so all through school I acted, all through school. Um, got to my secondary school and, I, and acted the whole way through. My drama teacher was amazing. I hung out in the drama department. We weren't supposed to be involved in plays until our third year, which is year nine now for you, us, it was third year. But she allowed me to go in right from the, from the beginning. So I came out to school and I thought, I literally left school within about two weeks. I'd gone and joined a local uh, amateur theatre company. Nice. Up in Orpington and spent 22 years there. Um, until we and, and dotted around other companies locally as well. Sent myself off to college um, in that time. And I've, I've acted all my life. Came out, of, came out of drama school with the confidence to direct. So did you had. go straight from from school to drama school? No, I worked for uh, uh, twenty four. Uh, I, I, yeah. I I had I had kind of what you've got now, but what, what I'm going to do. But I had I've wanted to do this all my life. If I don't do this now, yeah, I'm never going to do it. It's either I move out now, yeah, twenty four. It's either right. It's time to leave home, or I need to go to drama college and pack up my career and pack up everything I've been doing. What do I do? And I Amazing. thought I'll put it in the lap of the gods. I'll go and audition. Yeah. And if I don't get anything, I won't do it. Okay. And if I get something, I'll do it. Okay. And I got offered a place. So that that's kind of how it went. So I gave everything up um, and did two years there. And was came... there kind of a reason why you didn't do it like straight out of school? Was it just because you didn't know much about it? It, it wasn't because... the it wasn't the done thing. Yeah. Really, at that point, like you, my family are not massive theatre goers, so yeah. I was always this sort of oddball in that respect that yeah. I wanted to go off and, and do it. You kind of came out of school, you went and got a job. It's what everybody... So this is kind of what I... I what everybody did. I did an episode with Sam on education. It's just kind of coming out of education. I think so many people are lost because the system is not built for you to, like, no. pursue... Or for, for, to encourage you to find what you like. You no. to, it's just like, right, yeah, you go from... Four to at uh, the minute it's four to eighteen, which blows my mind. You mm. have to be in school, so mm. from four to eighteen, you're in this whole education system, and it's literally for you to get a job to earn enough money to survive. Yeah. It's like, is this life just built for us to survive yeah. to make money, Absolutely. or is it to like actually live yeah, something? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. I agree with that. I mean, I don't know when, when Sam because I met Sam and she'd just come out of uni. Yeah, so she came out in and she came out and literally came straight in into rehearsing with us, and she she said that same thing. I just I. I literally don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm just like, it's like you've been in this like cocooned environment yeah. of this education and loving what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you're done now, bye. Yeah. And it's like people have come out of prison. It's, it's, it's exactly yeah. the same thing. People are like, they've done, they've done their time. I, I can't imagine what that is like. You know, we did a play a few years ago about people who, who were in prison. Yeah. I can't imagine being institutionalised for that amount of time and then the gate opening because you've served your time. You go out and do a go see them and they just stand outside those prison gates. What? I wonder what? why I never thought about it like that. It's what so... is my life now? What clock again? Yeah, <laughs> 12 o'clock now. So it's going to do 12 chimes now. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what do they... It must be my... No wonder half of them go back in. Yeah. Because it's all frightening. The amount of fans. I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to go and do a Masters. Do you not just think the reason why you don't know what to do is because oh, of the place you just came back absolutely. out Absolutely. Crazy. Because I don't know what to do with my life, so I'll go back into education. Oh. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. I that totally agree with a lot of people. They're not... You should really do your Masters because... It's a path you want to follow and you need that. Because you know that it's a step you have to take. You have to take to do whatever it is. Yeah. That, you know, lawyer, doctors, whatever else. Totally agree. People people turn to education as a comfort blanket. Yeah. Because they don't know what else to do. But when they come out of that, they're yeah. still going to face be faced with that 
door closing on education what do I yeah. what do I do with my life and it's, it's, it, everybody feels the same way yeah. you know my niece is the same and I was saying to her you don't worry about what you do with the rest of your life you're 21 22 yeah I'm around, you know, go and get a job here get a job there find your way doesn't matter don't, get, get, love don't that. think about a career path yeah, there's the not people enough people that are doing that encouraging people there, there's just a lot of like well yeah you have to make money now and get a house and move make out of your parents house make, and, make money how you Go and just do anything. Yeah. Because you don't know. I, I didn't choose my career path. It just happened. I just yeah. did something and that led to something else, something else, something else. And I think that's, unless you know you want to be a banker or a lawyer or something else. Yeah. Um, you've just got to follow your feet and find out what's going to happen and where you're going to go. And every job you go to teaches you, I don't want to do this, but I do like this aspect. Yeah. Um, and as you move on, you, you make better decisions, you get more qualified, and then you just fall into what it is you're going to do. And that comes back down to what you've done. Honestly, think people get trapped in like, well, I've, I've got this job now and I'm making money so I feel comfortable but I feel too afraid to actually explore like you did yeah. and be like, okay, well, where will this lead me? And, oh, maybe a branch from this. It's just, well, I'll just continue doing this nine to five and, yeah. um, and just and drown about it when I get home. And yeah, like, and as I'm saying, like you said, where's your life? Where, where is that the rest of your life? We all work... 75% of our lives yeah. in, in doing things we don't really want to do yeah. just to earn some money to have 25% of our life in, in an evening two days a week on the weekend and two, two weeks holiday yeah. that's basically what we do yeah. so you have got to like your job you've got to like it you don't have to love it Yeah. you've got to be able to deal with it and the way I've always been able to deal with all of my jobs is I have my theatre in the evening yeah which is oh why well, wanted you here because it's, it's taken the edge off of me having to go, I have got to find a job that I love yeah. five days a week. I've got to do that because I have nothing else in my life. Yeah. So I've, I've got to do that. That search must be heartbreaking for everybody. Yeah. Whereas if you've got something else in your life that is important to you, not just yeah. people, obviously family, Tory, everything, yeah. you know, uh, are really important. But I'm talking about job here. But careers. also like the pressure, because it ties in a little bit. I think people do go, oh, yeah, but I have my person. Well, it's like, oh, that's a lot of pressure you're setting yourself if they're your happiness it, it, and that you don't absolutely. have anything else absolutely. for yourself. If that's all you've got. And, and, and for some people, that is enough. Yeah. And that's fine, but it's not... If you've had something... If you've had a fire lit in you and you don't flame that fire and you don't do something with it, it will cause resentment and yeah. it will cause sadness and depression mm-hmm. and longing and regret because you're doing a job that you don't really want to do yeah. and that little fire's not being fanned at, at any other point in your life. So if you're if you're locked, if you're happy with your I go to work, I come home and what makes me happy is being with my um, partner or my family and that makes me that fulfills me wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. If it doesn't and you need more in your life, you can actually go and yeah, have you can a have job that as well. And do that other thing. And the biggest thing you'd love to do if you really can't do it for whatever reason, you have to turn it into something that you can do somehow so that you have that fulfilment throughout your life. And your life isn't just about going to a job that you don't want to do and coming home and sitting on your sofa and being depressed or sad. Absolutely. Um, so sorry, I interrupted you before. Sorry. So then you went to college and then came back came out. Oh, uh, you came out of college and uh spent a year um trying to get my equity card yeah. um, with some other friends from college. We did cabarets and extra work and <laughs> all sorts of stuff in that time. It was good fun. Hard work, good fun. Um, 
and I went to Edinburgh. I think I was about the only person who got paid on the amateur scene in Edinburgh to, to, nice. to, to be in a puppet show. Oh, it's extraordinary. It was just like, you know, <laughs> doing Billy Goat's Graph at 9.30 in the morning in the bottom of the basement of a nightclub. It was just like the most... <laughs> be like all these three-year-olds sitting on the floor at this beer-smelling... Like, oh, you imagine what it would have been the night, yeah. the night before, doing the Billy Goat's Graph. It was extraordinary. But it's great there because I was finished by 10 in the morning. Oh, so I spent else. all day and all evening, I went from one play to the next, nice. to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Anyway, that contract helped me get my equity card. And um, literally kind of got my equity card through the post. And within about two or three months, packed it in. Packed yeah. it in and thought, this is just not for me. It's not for me. The thing that I had loved and still love all my life and all my very, very best and close friends are all, bar a few of them, all people I've met through through theatre. Yeah. Um, and it, this love suddenly became, actually it's the reverse to what we're saying actually. Yeah. Because the thing that I loved became the job. And the job is the thing that I didn't want it to be. I didn't want to be on that treadmill. Yeah. But but that's that's okay to make that realization. At yeah. least you've tried it, because otherwise it would have probably been this thing for ages. I, if I hadn't put myself through drama school, and if I hadn't tried to go professional, if I hadn't got to that point, I'd spent my whole life regretting. Yeah. That I hadn't gone and done that, and you know I've taken my training and I've run with it. And, and you're still doing something. You're just still doing something yeah, with I, it. The second I made the decision not to do it as a job, the love for it came back. Yeah. Because then I could do the plays I wanted to do. There was no expectation I had of myself of failure. Yeah. Of like, I haven't got this, I haven't got that, or what am I doing? I'm not in any money, I haven't got a job over my head, a uh, roof over my head. That all disappeared. And then it's like, ah, now I can do what I like with my track. I can yeah. do literally what I like. I can direct. Mm-hmm. I have never directed before. Oh, I'm, I'm going to give that a go then. Um, so, so how, when you decided to put on that first production with ACB, had you never directed? Oh, yeah, I had directed, yeah. yeah. So I came out of drama school, went back from the same company, that, or I'd stayed with this, the company throughout my training, went back and said, um, I, I'd like, I was only 27, I yeah. wanted to direct. In, in an amateur group where everyone who directed was like 60. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I want to have a go. <laughs> um, and I remember the first play I ever directed, I said, um, I don't want a curtain. We, we, we had a big, big venue, that we big community hall, huge. Yeah. About 350 people it, it, it held. Wow. Big, massive stage. Really tall. You had to go up a, like a 20 foot ladder to do the lights and everything. It was a really big place. <laughs> and I went, um, I don't want to have a curtain. And it's like, honest to God, you thought I'd said, like, you know, I want to drop a nuclear bomb on somebody. They were like, what? No, no curtain? And you always have a curtain. A curtain call. And I've got a ceiling on my set. So what? <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. It's like I was some groundbreaking stuff and I had such a fight. Because even then, I wanted to do things that were against the norm. Yeah. And I've kind of carried on doing that. So, no, I directed for them, first of all. I don't think I could have started uh, a theatre company myself if I hadn't directed. Yeah. Because I'm the only director for the company. Yeah. Not not for any other reason that no one else has ever yeah. come forward and wanted to do it um, at this time. Yeah, so I knew I had to be able to direct because it was going to be me that was going to have to push the company forward all, all the time and, and direct. So... I had that experience before I started the company, but I believe if uh, I believe anyone can direct anyway, if they've got yeah. enough passion, yeah. you know, you learn as you go along. Every single play, I could go back and do every play I've ever directed now, and I could make it better. Yes. Yeah. You never ever. You, you never. You, you're always learning. You yeah. always learning. You always need that. You need to have that in your head that you can do better next time. In this next part, I asked Sandra about one of the plays she's put on, a play based on real events, 
which is not only a story I find incredibly fascinating, is also a beautiful example of how theatre can be so much more than entertainment. So, am I saying it the right way around? Someone, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Someone, somewhere. Yeah. Tell us a little. So I've seen. Yeah, it. you obviously saw it last year, didn't you? Tell us a bit, like what the what the play is about first, and then I guess we can get into like where what's happened as a Okay, so they. Well, it was a radio play. Yes. Um, and it's uh, a young student called Jessie Earl. Yeah. Twenty-two. Lived was studying in Eastbourne. Parents lived in Eltham. And in 1980, uh, she was due to go home on a Friday evening, yeah. and she didn't turn up. And her mum uh, came down on a Saturday, because uh, she hadn't heard from her, there was no mobile phones at that point, yeah. no one could ring anybody. She came down the train, and uh, Jessie's room had looked like somebody had just like gone in and picked her up and taken her out. Yeah. To cut a very long story short, nine years later, she completely disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, nine years later, uh, chap on beachy head flying a kite with his 10 year old daughter and the kite landed on top of some bushes yeah and he went in to get the kite out and he's found actually like something from a film oh, he's, he's that a whole story is like a film yeah um and um he found jesse's remains and um so she wasn't even she wasn't even properly buried or anything was she no no she died like out she it, she was in dense under, undergrowth yeah yeah just just he, found, he saw a skull that's what yeah. he saw saw a skull um so that's nine years. So Jessie's parents, Jessie's family didn't know where she was yeah. for nine years, very long nine years. Um, then they uh, obviously knew it was her. And um, it, they, the coroner had, had recorded a verdict of, of unknown causes, yeah. died of unknown causes. However, um, there was a bra that had been very, very tightly knotted, which had survived for nine years. That's the only thing that survived was yeah. right. No other clothing was there, so that had been taken away. Um, very, very tight knotted, as so though it tied wrists together. Okay. And she had a blood staining on her skull. Um, even with all of that, the police made the decision that it was uh, not murder. Insane. Two thousand in two thousand, uh, the police were given some money and they opened up some cold cases. Jessie yeah. was one of them. And her remains had been given to, to King's College at that point by her parents. They didn't bury her, they, they donated her remains for medical research. Yeah. And they hadn't been used, so they brought the remains back. And the police then, at that point, changed their changed their mind yeah. and recorded it as murder or yeah. unlawful killing. But the coroner wouldn't change, or you, you need to have a new inquest. And they, yeah. couldn't, they didn't, didn't realise you could appeal yeah. at that point. So then her parents buried her remains... Um, and Pat Davis, who's the writer, yes. wrote this incredible uh, radio play mm-hmm. called Someone Somewhere, and it was John and Val, Jess's parents, being interviewed about what had happened yeah. in the nine years and up, up to the cold case. And Jessie was a prolific diary writer. She'd written, like, not, not in books, so all pages of paper, all scattered everywhere. Yeah. She's quite a character. And her writing was incredible. It's just like, you've, you've heard it. Yeah. Amazing writing. So Pat took the uh, diary entries and put them in this sort of, not in the order they were written in, but in, the, in an order of a kind of a story where you got to know Jessie. And then she wrote some out-of-time voices. So Jessie from beyond the grave, if you will, yeah. looking back in and, and didn't know where she was and everything else. And she did this amazing radio play and it won a Sony Award. Um, so... Following on from that, in 2018, there was a TV programme called The Investigative 
investigating. The investigator, I think it was called on ITV. Yeah. Chap called Mark Williams Thomas, ex policeman, uh, now does programs about cold cases and murders and stuff like that. And he did a little bit on one of his programs about um, about Jesse because it was slightly linked at that point. They thought it might be linked to Peter Tobin. Yeah. Who was a serial killer. Okay. Um, so that's why he involved Jesse because he was investigating Peter Tobin. Yeah. And the murders that might have happened. And then there's another guy, Lee Spawn, who also disappeared. Um, in 1982, I think, just disappeared again off the face of the earth and hurt. No one's ever found anything to do with her. So it's oh, really, really, really awful. Um, and that was off Beachy Head again. Oh. And um, so the BBC decided, because that ITV thing was on, they they would replay the Summer Summit radio, yeah. radio play in April 2018. And Jane, my friend from London, was in the gym and she listens to plays while she's in the gym and yeah. she heard it. She had sent me a message and said, you've got to listen to this. I think it's something that we could probably do. Yeah. So I listened to it the next day, went back and said, we've got, we've got, to, try and, we've got to try and turn this into a play. Yeah. What an incredible piece of writing. What an incredible story. And then it was a year in the making of, of trying to cross. Pat has no internet presence whatsoever. <sighs> so we're trying to trace down. I spent my life doing this, trying to chase down playwrights um, <laughs> of plays that you know haven't been published yet. Yeah. Tracking her down, um, finding out where Jesse's parents lived and writing them a letter to find out. And, and you know, we're, who are we? Yeah. They don't know who we are. Yeah. Uh, and convincing um, Pat and Jesse's parents that we were doing this with them for the right reason and who we were and what we wanted. And it was yeah, a year in the making. And um, with Pat's blessing and with John and Val's blessing and Pat's help as well, we took the radio play and transformed it into a into a stage into a stage production. Which um was yeah, an incredible an incredibly emotional um play both for those in it and for everyone watching and, and all of Jesse's family, including her parents, came down. Came and I think you were there on the Sunday, weren't you? Did you come on the Sunday? I think I came on the Saturday. Oh did you? Yeah. Oh, I, I think I know a lot of Sam's friends came in on the <clears throat> on the Sunday with Jesse's parents and her yeah, brother. I, d- I was there. I think I was the day before. Right. Um yeah, it's yeah, extraordinary, extraordinary involvement and yeah. and it and it became uh, it's, we, it, we were ten years old last year. Yeah. And I remember saying to Tori, I really want to do something special in our 10th year. Just not like it. I just don't know. I want to do something special. And then well, this came up. And Jane knew I wanted to do that as well. Yeah. And this came up and I couldn't have wished for anything. Honestly, the story's incredible. And it's so well received. Mm-hmm. And her, their totally. parents... Her parents were just... It, yeah, were it, amazing. It, yeah. It, it was a weight lift off their, off their shoulders, really. Which is incredible. Mm. You, you... Like... One that theatre can do that for someone, yeah, and two that say. like you guys can can put on yeah. something like that for someone, and then now, am I right in saying because of the play that you put on and because it was revisited <coughs> and what her parents saw, they're now opening. Well, it's not because of the play. So what happened is is that uh, this coroner's verdict. Yes. Um, oh, they, because of yeah. Oh, so I they've been it. appealing the coroner's verdict. They didn't know they could appeal it. So Mark, who did the RTD program, yeah. Jesse's parents said, we'll be involved in your programme if you can help us appeal Smart. the coroner's verdict. Yeah. And true to his word, it's been amazing. Yeah. And the uh, a 48-page document went to the Attorney General yeah. in December. Um, and if the, and, and bearing in mind the police now say it was unlawful killing as well. Yeah. So their evidence is now in there as well. It's gone to the Attorney General. 
should hear any day now whether they will allow a oh, new really? inquest. Okay. If they have a new inquest, then it'll be a new verdict. Okay. And hopefully that will then be the correct verdict, which is an unlawful killing and yes. not just unknown causes, which is really important to Jesse's family. Yeah. And so John, Jesse's dad, sent me an email just before Christmas and said, this is what's happened, this is where we're at. We've got a, a crowdfunding campaign. We've got to raise some money towards the legal fees. It's going to happen anyway. Is that still going on now? Yeah. So people can still donate? Yeah, they can still donate. Yeah. Donate, donate to that now. Um, and he said, and, and the, it's still going to happen, but we've been asked to create a crowdfunding campaign. So this is like 23rd December. Yeah. So I sat over Christmas with it thinking, you know, what can we do? What can we do? And I'm like, oh, do you know what? So I went back to the company and just said, this is what's happened. And the company hold this. I mean, everybody on that Sunday performance, every single member of the company, on that last performance when Jesse's family were in, every single one burst into tears afterwards. Oh. So it was that, it was... That's how much they, their heart and soul they yeah. put into this this production. Mm-hmm. Like every single person involved, not not just those on stage, every yeah. single person involved in the company, all those in the tech box, everything in there. So everybody has has a love for Jesse, for Jesse's parents, yeah. and for for this play and this story. So I went back and said, "This is the score, guys." John allowed me to raise some money for the Attorney General. The best way I can think of doing of us raising some money. And public awareness is to get play back on. and But in a different format because it wasn't planned and lots of us were quite busy. So we're going to do a semi-staged version okay. of what we did last year. Yeah, We're doing three performances here. If it sells well, we can tuck in a fourth. And we're doing three over in Lewis. And again, if it sells well, we can tuck in a fourth. And potentially towards the end of the year, if I can get everybody together, is to go and do one up in Eltham where, where Jessie lived, where her family yeah. lived. And all the profit, um, every single penny from it is going into the Incredible. into the crowdfunding campaign. Um, we so we should hear any day now whether whether he the attorney general will allow uh, a new inquest. Okay. Um, if he doesn't, then they're back to square one again, and it probably nothing will ever happen. Um, if he does, then there is this potential this year to get that verdict changed to what it should be, um, which is an unlawful killing. So that's so that's why we're we're back on we're back on with it. So. The company Amazing. were like, yeah, hundred percent, we're behind it. So, Incredible. and Jessie's not ready yet. She's she's not ready to let go yet. She's um, you know, something. This story isn't finished yet. Oh, so, honestly, mind blown about all, yeah, all of it. Like, the whole thing was incredible. I mean, I I I was advertising on Facebook for for the play and everything, and I suddenly had a message ping up in my uh, Facebook Messenger. Something I didn't know. Yeah, and I opened it up. This was this was about. I'd say about two months before we were due to go on. Yeah. And she went, I'm a kite flying girl. She was Stop. a star. I'm a kite flying girl. Just seeing Jessie's picture, I know that face anywhere. It's my dad who found who found her remains. And I said, oh, this is extraordinary. She still lives local. She's 40 now. Wow. And um, I had a big, long conversation with her. And I said, and unfortunately, her father died 12, okay. 12 years previously. Yeah. And... Um, and I, I, I've been up to see Jesse's parents. Oh, I've, I went up to see Jesse's parents. Um, I've been up to see them, sorry, just like before that. Yeah. And they had said, without him, um, they would never have known what happened to Jesse. Yeah. And, I, and when I went back and said, it's really, unfortunately, he, he's died, but you're never going to believe that she's she's pinged up. So I said, join the play, and I sent a, a clip of the script. <sighs> and she said, um, I really want to come and see it. And John and Val said, because um, she was 10 when it happened yeah. and she said she, she remembers it she remembers it all distinctly 
from the second though she got back home, she was sheltered from everything that went on. Oh, really? Because it was quite mm. traumatic for her. Yeah. And she said, there has not been a day I'm a mother myself now. Yeah. The day goes by when I don't think of Jessie. Really? Of, of what happened. And she said, I'd love to, I would love, really love to come and see it. And um, John and Val said, if she, we'd love to meet her, if, if she wants to come. And she, yeah. they, she came on the Sunday. On the same night. She came, on the, she came on the same day as them. And she came up at the end and she said, uh, this has changed my life. She said, because I now know Jessie. I didn't know who she was. I, all I knew was these poor parents had lost this, a child, lost, lost their child. And I'd seen it in the press over the years, but I've come here now and I've met Jessie. I know oh. what her life was. She's changed my life. So yeah, what an extraordinary, just, you know, Pat's writing, this, this, this incredible woman's writing has changed people's lives. Amazing. That's and theatre. Theatre has changed Which is lives. incredible. And again, it comes down to like people who have, the clock again, yeah. um, people who have not, who are not theatre people. Like, if no. you're not, like this is what theatre can do A lot of well. people came to see someone somewhere. I don't, I don't think they were theatre goers. They came because they've lived in this town. The town uh, feels quite responsible for what happened with, with yeah. Jessie. Because obviously, she went missing. It was all over the papers. Nine years later, they found her remains. Yeah. It was all over the papers. In the year 2000, they re up the cold case. It's all over the papers. Yeah. So in that period of time... Everyone knows Everybody about knew Jessie, who, yeah. was, who was of an age. So people came to see that production, who weren't necessarily theatre goers, but because they knew Jessie's story. Yeah. And they, be- and they came because of that. And afterwards... Um, I put together all the comments and all the reviews and all the emails that I had received to give to John and Val so they had something. And yeah. it was 10 pages long. It was 10 wow. A4 pages, printed A4 pages long of all the comments and reviews and everything, the messages we'd been given. People sent me emails to pass on to John and Val. Really? Yeah, because they were so moved by what they saw and to thank them for allowing the story to be told. And yeah. It's just, it was an incredible, incredible time. Yeah. Um, and it had an incredible uh, response, and it changed people's lives, and that's amazing. That's theatre. That is incredible. And like going back to where we started, yeah, you're doing this because you're passionate about it, and it's something you love to do. It. You're not making money about it. No. But it's, you get so not much more from it. It's just no. If I was doing this as a yourself, job, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I would have been. I don't know what I would have been doing. You know, touring somewhere, doing something, yeah. or not working, or yeah. not working. Instead of which, this has happened, and we've and we've been able to it's do incredible. to do that. And and so there you go, there go there there is a uh, a good example of how you can do something, and and have a life and do something and still, I don't think I would have been anywhere near as fulfilled if I'd done this as a job. Yeah, uh, which is quite a statement to make when. Like quite you, an I, achievement as well, honestly. I guess so, but I've just been lucky. I've just been... Oh, I've put some work in, but I have been lucky oh, where roads have just taken me But I, I sometimes... like it's, it's just like the first step. Like, the luck didn't come from you sitting here doing something yeah, no. and then not... Like, it, it, it's because you had... You took the initiative to start doing something But then about see, if I'd the, come the down here and there was a company... Who did perform plays? Yeah, I would take the easy route, and I would have just gone. But there wasn't. And done, but there wasn't. So what did I do? I either didn't do anything that I loved doing. Exactly. Or you. And do you know what? If there was a company, well. cool. It just meant that you would have joined it, but you would still yeah. be doing something. But yeah, there wasn't. Absolutely. So you didn't. It is kind of like 
you, you, you were presented with many hurdles and you just thought of a solution for every single one because a lot of people yeah would be like oh well there's not one okay cool well, I won't do it yeah and then, and then you kind of then you lose that that thing that you've always you've always wanted to do yeah. you've always loved and, and you know a lot of people in the company now Sam particularly um, you know she'll always say she just loves the stories that yeah. we tell because I do consider we're storytellers really yeah because we do pick plays that have a message yeah in them that's just what appeals to me I guess we talked a lot about acting, but I think so much transforms into into anything. anything. Like anything. if you have this desire that Sandra had to do something, yeah. like whatever it is, like go and do, do it. it. If and you move to a town you love playing tennis and there's no tennis club, yes, or it's a tennis club for people that are a different age group to you, go and find one other person to play tennis with, and that yeah. person may know somebody else or somebody else. Exactly, and, and 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 do it yourself. Don't give up. Don't give up on the thing that makes you the happiest. Yeah, whatever that is, don't give up on it. There's ways rounds of all sorts of things, and it doesn't have to be the be all and end all. Um, and don't feel a failure if you that as well sit there thinking, I really wanted to do this and I can't do it, or I'm not good enough. Yeah. Especially in the entertainment industry. Yeah. It, do you know? I can, I can tell you a story. The the original cast of Forty Second Street. Yeah. Um, in in London at Drury Lane, they had I think twelve month contracts. Okay. Um, when they came up, they re auditioned for a whole new cast. Yeah. And people were queuing literally around London, queuing around the block to go in for it. Uh, they cast, they put that next cast in in 42nd Street based on who could fit the costumes of the people that were in before. No. There's that much talent out there. Wow. So it's like, what size it's are like, you? Well, I, we can't afford to, to honey, so who fits the costumes we're in before? Uh, so don't ever think it's because you're not talented yeah. enough or whatever else. It's like somebody who knows somebody, somebody who fits a costume, it isn't because of that. It isn't because you're not good enough yeah. um, at all. It, it, it's just one of those things that, that happens. So don't feel that rejection is, is, is based on you and your ability and your talent. Exactly that. it's not always that at all. And it might be that you need to put on your own stuff. Like, it yeah. might be... Some, it, like there, there will always be a different route that you, yeah, you can take. And again, yeah, the failure thing, I think that's what stops a lot of people. And do you know what? If you do fail... So what it like you felt like move move on to something else at least you tried. But for failing something, you've realised what doesn't work. Yeah. So then you go on and change what made that didn't work. Yeah. And then you change it and then it does work. Yeah. I haven't made great. I haven't made perfect decisions the whole way through any of this at yeah. all. I stand by every play that we put on, um, hundred percent. But maybe um, who I cast or yeah. maybe where I put it on or how I advertised it or how I, you know, when I look back at my publicity at the beginning to what I do now, I'm much more adept at. Yeah thinking oh this is how this is what catches people eye yeah and it's come from website design as well you, you start looking at things in a very different way so yeah i definitely learn uh, 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 the hard way around yeah about what how to sell something and how not to sell something so you will have failures but they teach you they just teach you how to move on to the to the next thing it's, exactly. it's nothing to lay down on the floor and think i can't do this anymore i'm rubbish at it yeah um and, and you know you could easily particularly in this industry you could easily think you know, I've been in London now for two years and I've not got any work. I did a profit share and earned 20 quid. Yeah. Um, I've got, I'm renting. I can only eat budget food because I've got no money. I'm going to pack it up and go home. I go home with, you know, a, a cloud of doom on what a failure I am. Yeah. Not at all. No. Go home and think, right, what else? K- Casey, who's in, who's in our company. Yeah. She did a year at Mount View. Set up in town. Did the same thing. Her said she was walking along one day. She had bags full of value food or whatever else. She'd gone for billions of auditions. 
and she'd done one, one profit share where she hadn't earned a lot of money and she said I was walking back home she actually almost put her bags down and thought what am I actually doing yeah I'm not happy what am I doing she packed up came home I think this was about it was a few weeks anyway she came back home I looked on Mandy.com we were doing Avenue Q um, I needed someone to do Gary Coleman and I saw her thing saw she was Eastbourne but I sent her a message she said I can come down and audition now she literally came straight down audition she got in she's been a member of the company ever since and she said I'm happier now and I'm doing oh. better stuff now than I ever did when I was up there that's there, incredible there's a story of someone who came home thinking I haven't done the thing I haven't made it what am I going to do how am I going to do it and she said Green Room saved my life she said I just came in um, and she went into Avenue Q and I went, oh, do you want to go into Thrill? We've got the next one coming on. She yeah. Did, and yeah, she rolled on ever since. Rolled on ever since. Amazing. So there's, there's somebody who, who could have come back with a failure yeah. attitude of like, having to tell between my legs, went to London, didn't work out what we're going to do. And now has a job, has some money, has a has a lovely girlfriend, and has her own house. And still doing. Still doing what she loves to do. Yeah. Still doing what she loves oh, to do. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Sean. you. And, and thank good luck. You. Good luck with your endeavours as well. Thank you.